I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my Thoughts on Money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I am Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog, here with my dear friend, colleague, and power forward, Mr. Sean Latimer. Good morning. I got basketball in my mind. It was fun. Not, NBA, only, not only that, a lot, of ex- crazy right now. a lot of exciting things Tons happening. Of trades. Yep. Yeah, nobody that listens to this cares about NBA basketball, so I will transition quickly. I wrote an article called "False Alarms." Um, what was your first take? I have kind of a funny story, but I'll, I'll wait till you finish your intro. No, there's no intro. Uh, the 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 blog is about uh, this idea that false alarms can throw you off, like um, whether that's a fire drill at work or the smoke detector goes off at home, and I'll tell some stories about that. Um, But the idea that the market does that to us every year. So um, I encourage you to read the podcast, but I am now eager to hear this story. Yeah, see see how I did that? You got to tee it up, build it up. No, it it reminds me of – so obviously you talk about the fire alarm at work. And uh, there was a time in my life where I lived in New York and I worked in a really old building and kind of like the stairs are slanted and you use the elevator, but you hope you make it type thing. And we were only on the fifth floor, but uh, I remember randomly there was this beeping. Some alarm was going off and it wasn't as quite as loud as a fire alarm, but it it wasn't necessarily something like a printer or something. It was loud. And uh, a few texts that worked for the building came in. They can't really figure out where it's coming from, what it's for. And everyone's kind of looking at each other. And we're in this old building. And I'm like, oh, man, I wonder if this is the feeling when, like, a building collapses. And they're like, how did they have no warning or no signal? Like, we have the alarm there. And it, it just any time now when I hear a fire alarm at work, even if it's a drill, there's that, that moment of pause where I'm like, wait, this could be real. Maybe I should, like, snap into action or something. But it's... I should have portrayed that better in the article because I think I had that feeling too where I like my initial reaction when I hear alarm, it's like 10 what ifs that are all like really, really bad and destructive. Yeah, at first you think like, ah, someone turn it off. And then you're like, wait, what if this is like that moment where right before something bad happens? (laughs) Yeah. And that was kind of the premise of the intro. Uh, Sean and I were together. I think it was a Monday morning. Yeah. I I, I think it was. Of course, we had like a really busy day. Yeah. Schedule was busy. I was on a call with a client and it was early. It was like... 9.30 9.30 or so. It was it was still kind of in the a.m. And uh, all of a sudden, the fire alarm starts going off. And then at our building, it's like that monotone voice of like, evacuate the building, evacuate the building. And I'm like, trying to still finish the call. I was like, I can hear you, okay? They're so smart, too, because they'll go floor by floor and like clear the building because there's plenty of people that are like, no, I'm not going to go stand in the parking lot. But yeah, they make yeah. you. So I gave uh, our office manager, Erica, a hard time. I was like, help me out next time. So I'm yeah. not like booking a bunch of meetings. So this idea of like fire drills and alarms that don't lead to destruction was kind of on my mind. Uh, and like I said, that was about a few months ago. Funny enough, the last time we did those fire drills, um, I saw an old friend uh, that had worked in the building, um, you know, and we rekindled our, our relationship. And then, you know, one year later, now he's an employee here. That so is funny. I saw Eddie Molina. So thank goodness for fire alarms. Yeah, I think <laughs> good things come out of fire alarms. So then it was, I think it was this week or last week, I don't remember, um, when you have kids, like, the weeks all kind of blend together. Yeah. So our brand new little girl starting to, last night she slept through the night, which was huge. Oh, man. Went to bed at 8, That's like woke great. up at 5. So it was Monday, I think, as well. And all of a sudden, 1 a.m., I'm in, like, full REM dreamland and just the fire alarm's going crazy. And I just put new smoke detectors in, like yeah. the, the Google ones. So it has the voice, and it's like, uh, smoke detected in bedroom, whatever. And I'm like, I'm in, like, 
like I'm just groggy and I don't know what's going on. And it's so loud when it's in the middle of the night. Yeah. And then my wife's like, oh, I think the boy's humidifier set off the smoke alarm. So I'm like trying to find my phone and kind of turn it off. But when I was thinking about what to write about this week, it was in my head of this idea that these alarms can go off even if there's not danger, right? We know all the good reasons to have them, but sometimes it's precautionary, like you're doing a drill. Sometimes it's a malfunction. Uh, I can't tell you how many times it's been the batteries. That's why I replaced them so they were linked to my phone. So all these things. And then I started to think about my favorite chart when it comes to the stock market. And it's one you're familiar with, right? Mm -hmm. It's just this idea of on an annual basis, let's look over the last 40-some years, what are the drops intra-year, right? So there's a peak and a trough. You know, how, what are those drops on average on an annual basis? And on average, they're about 14%. But uh, I forget the number. It was something like 75% of the time yeah. in those 40 years, the market was still positive. So what I'm saying is that if the average drop is like 14% and you you look at the chart, you experience it you know, almost every year, it's almost like you get that annual fire drill in the stock market. Yeah, and most people don't believe you too. Like if you were to tell them like, hey, most of the time, 75%, the market's going to end up positive, but it's not going to feel like it throughout that year. And uh, I I think, and I've probably said these exact words, so I apologize to the listeners, but investors, oh, yeah, 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 I know. Markets go up and down, no big deal. But it does not feel like no big deal when you're sitting in it. And I think you mentioned there, there's a specific month that you like to review. Yeah, I was saying um, when I have been doing client reviews recently, I've really enjoyed looking at their returns every month since they became a client. Because on this, you know, we use a performance tool. There's two columns that kind of stand out to me. One column shows the dividends they received for every single month. And one column shows the change in price, right? The up and down value. And I like to highlight, like, look how bipolar the price can be, mm-hmm. right? You have some really ugly months. But on the dividend side, always positive, always pay out. And for you know half of our clients, that's what they use to fund their lifestyle. Then I like to zoom in even further, and, and this is what you're referencing. Lately, I like to zoom in to September 2022, right? Because it was ugly. Yeah. Um, it was an extremely ugly month. And the nice thing is, you know in the moment, that September moment, how painful it was for investors to endure, but we have the benefit of hindsight that we now get to see September in light of October and November. And what it shows is that October, you made all your money back from those paper losses of September, and then you went another leg up in November. And for me, I like to use that language of like, the pain you endured in September, you were compensated for in October and November. Because I like to teach this idea that there's this risk premium that you are getting compensated for your willingness to endure volatility. Do you review that with everyone or just the people that were uh, maybe nervous during that time? No, everyone. Because, I mean, here, let's be real. Let's be honest with the clients. A lot of the time when I'm having conversations, I am re-solidifying my own beliefs. Yeah. Right? I love that chart because I'm thinking right now, I'm like... Uh, okay, the market was up 6% in January. Things are pretty good. When's the next shoe going to drop? And I'm like anybody else, right? Uh, there's recession conversations. There's strains of COVID. There's the Fed, you know, possibly making mistakes uh, that everybody's talking about. So I am antsy. I'm human, right? And then when I see that, I'm like, oh, wait, 
if the market drops 14.3%, you know, in next month or whatever, that is normal. Yeah. Um, in the moment, it's going to feel abnormal. But in context of history, it's extremely normal. I'm glad you said that, too, because we're, we're not Im- immune to those same emotions that investors feel. Um, we, we do have to, I guess, stay more disciplined because uh, we are kind of that anchor for a lot of relationships and people. But uh, it, it is natural to get that that feeling of hesitancy or nervousness or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I'm glad you mentioned that. The other reason I like to look at the that monthly performance, and you and I use this language a lot, maybe because we like sports, but doesn't it feel like game film? Like you get actual, like that happened. You you, you get to look at it when your emotions are removed and, and look at it from like a, an eagle's eye view. Well, that's kind of why I brought it up if you review it with everyone or just the people that uh, maybe uh, – were nervous at that time because it is game film. Uh, and what you do is people that are uneasy about markets, that's when they want to make changes at the worst possible time. And it's okay if some circumstances change and something should be changed in the overall allocation or the financial plan, but not because we're emotional about the short-term results of the market. It should be done when uh, we're not being emotional and things are more normalized. So uh, I bring that up because those are the exact people that I, I do point out that time frame because it's almost I, I hesitate because I'm not rubbing it in their face, but I also say, hey, remember at this time you were nervous about this or that, and you wanted to make changes. Now things are much better. Do you still want to make changes? And they say no. And I go, okay, well now we know. Next time the market does go down that 14, percent we're not going to have that conversation of should we sell this or buy this or make changes. It's almost like, uh, do you remember, I think it was Staples that used to sell that red button. It yeah, says that was yeah, easy. Yeah. It's almost like we need one for investing. That's like a pause button, like this big red pause button. So it's like, okay, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I want to make a wholesale change. Pause. And then don't allow me to do anything for 30 days or whatever. Because yeah. it seems like when you are willing to wait, the strength of those emotions to take action start to fade as well. Like I... I wouldn't even think of September 2022 if I didn't do so many reviews and be able to circle it with a red pen and be like, oh, that was, that's actually like one of the worst months, you know, since inception of a relationship with us. It's, right. a, it's an ugly month. Yeah, it's true, though. And that is a really good idea. If you could say like, hey, time out. Why don't we have this conversation in 30 days and see how you feel? I like that. I might yeah. use that. Yeah. I don't know if uh, everyone will execute that way. So I might yeah. need to change the time frame because what if things get worse in 30 days then... <laughs> Let's talk in. Buy for 30 more days. Three years. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was um, what comes to mind for me too. You have a lot of people that have, um, you know, and and I I can be blamed for this too, almost like this false humility of like, you know, I'm pretty good at trading stocks. Like I've I've done really well for myself, but, you know, I I don't know. I just don't want to make a profession of it or whatever. Yeah. So um, sometimes the, the challenge when somebody wants to trade stocks like the encouragement somebody would give them is you should start a journal, right? Because you need to memorialize your opinions like uh, in time and place, Yeah. right? So if somebody wanted to be, you know, Paul Tudor Jones, like a famous trader um, who keeps a journal, right? The encouragement would be like, you need to write like, oh, if you bought X stock or Y stock, um, why did you buy it? What was your thesis? Um, what was your motivation? And, and then you, you have to memorialize that. Because what ends up happening when you journal something like that, you're holding yourself accountable. Because it's not somebody else's words or somebody else's advice. It was your own idea. It was your own idea in the past. Um, And that is another helpful part of game film is you can go back, um, whether it's an email or something like that, and say, hey, you know, in all fairness, 
let's remind each other of, of how we felt on September 31st. And, and you go look at an email and you go, okay, now from September 31st to today, what have markets done? Oh, wow. You know, maybe markets were up 14% or, or something of that nature. Um, and somebody wanted to make a, a meaningful change to their portfolio, sit out of markets for a little while, unsure of, you know, if the next shoe is going to drop or something like that. Uh, reality is most of us won't journal. But the great thing is uh, technology email kind of does it for us a yeah, little bit. That's true. I had an interesting conversation yesterday where um, we were talking about overall risk tolerance and uh, how we build allocations for clients. And, uh, and they were asking, you know, how important like this a survey is. And I, I tried to explain that it's helpful to make sure that we're kind of on the same track, but it's definitely not the end all be all because um, you fill out a survey of how you feel that day about market volatility. And what tells us the most of the story is how you're currently invested. And uh, you wouldn't believe how many surveys I come across that say they're conservative investors. And then you look at a statement and they have like, weird triple levered index funds or things that are 100% equity with margin or with leverage. And, and it's, uh, it's eye opening or on the opposite, you know, they say that they're very comfortable with market volatility, been buying stocks for years, and then you look and they're in all treasuries. And then you ask kind of the story. And they go, Oh, I was spooked, you know, two years ago. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, like, what happened? So uh, I thought it was pretty interesting that it reminds me of game film, you know, let's see what you actually own. And that's going to tell much more of the story. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the big difference between uh, being a, a playground basketball player like you and I are and, uh, you know, a professional, because even I'm a big Warriors fan. And I'll, I'll remind people, you know, I was mentioned this the other day, golly, I got to stop talking about the NBA, but <laughs> uh, one of their players, uh, he can have really good nights, Jordan Poole. But I reminded, you know, a friend of ours, I was like, he is by percentage, he's a volume shooter, right? But by percentage, he's like one of the worst three-point shooters on the team. If you just took like, the conversion of of shots to actual makes. Now, does he take a lot of hard shots and, you know, end of the clock and all that? Yes, 100%. But that is the thing about professional sports. There's the back of the baseball card, right? It's really clear. And we know, you know, we're bringing up baseball. Both your boys are doing really good at baseball right now. Um, We know the difference between a Hall of Famer and a no-namer for baseball is just getting one extra hit for 10 bats. So we start to get this idea that... um, Discipline and um, real records of, of what you actually perform become very, very important. I'm very happy that they don't track all of our stats when we play basketball. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I am very happy as well. It's, it's interesting. So one of the motivations to write this article um, is I do like to look at life and, and try to find relatable topics. And these alarms really went off in my life. And for me, this favorite stock chart was just, I, I will always remember it that way now, right? I'll always remember it of like, oh, here comes another fire drill, right? Because using that language and having that framing helps calm me down, right? My shoulders don't get as tense, like I'm not like clinching my jaw. And I'm like, oh, this is another fire drill. Is it annoying? Yes, fire drills are annoying. All of us hung out in the parking lot for 45 minutes while they did roll call. And then Imagine a 20-story building, everybody piling back in to go through the um, the elevators, right? We even tried to go to the service elevator, and it didn't work, it and then we not. had to go back. It got sent back. And uh, we still don't have that question answered. Are the people on the 20th floor, are they really going down 20 flights of stairs during these fire drills? If they are, they're getting great exercise. Um, but this idea that something could alarm you that isn't substantive, right? 
um, that there actually isn't danger, but there's an alarm or a feeling of danger. And uh, I wanted to write about this in the article. You haven't heard the story yet, so I think you'll like this. Um, but uh, one of the friends of the Bonsa Group, Will, who does a podcast with David every week, he was uh, talking to Erica when he came in. I don't even know how the subject came up, but he's talking about like these mishaps at Disneyland. Right, these stories, oh these uh, different things that happen, and I didn't get the full story. I even asked Erica to email Will and give me kind of the details. But something to the effect of somebody was getting on a ride or getting off a ride, and the ride was timed, meaning like everybody has to load on and load off pretty quickly. Yeah, and the person getting on had a, an artificial leg, and um, because the carts were timed, again, I'm butchering a little bit, but you're going to get the, the the majority of the story when he was trying to get out. Um, I, there's a button that releases that changes the position of his leg or something, and the the person helping was trying to help him get out, and his leg like popped off. Oh no! But for spectators, um, they thought his leg got cut his, off. They thought oh, his my real gosh. leg got cut off. So it, somebody vomited. Oh and no! It, and um, there's like this theory of hysteria that it set off. All these people, um, you know, not my words, but Will was saying it was raining vomit. And it was like, for me, again, I couldn't articulate this in in the article or or really capture the story. But I was like, man, isn't that a a really good example of when somebody thinks there's danger and they have a a physical reaction to it? Yeah, they're not faking it. (laughs) No. and, And that's what investing is, which is why I don't blame investors. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help them. And, and train them and train myself to say, hey, can we get rid of that physical reaction by really understanding market history and then getting back to this place that's saying 14.3% is the average. So when your you know, $10 million portfolio is you know, down you know, a drop of $1.4 million, that's table stakes. Um, that is, that is the, what you have to endure to get the reward on the other side. And David talks about all the time saying, hey, I wish we could you know, eat ice cream all day and, and not gain weight. It's just, that's not how it works. No, that's true. Sorry, I'm still thinking about your Disneyland story. <laughs> I know, I'm probably butchering it. He said that there's this, um, a book or something called like Mouse Tales that has like all these different stories in it. And he sent me a link and I tried to go online and it was a little different than the story he told. So maybe it's a game of telephone, but man, it made for a really good representation <laughs> for this article. Yeah, it did a good job of at least painting the picture for us. Yeah. I was listening to a, a sermon this morning, and uh, I, you know, you and I worked in the fitness industry for uh, a long time, and I'd never heard this quote before. The guy was talking about how he loves to watch fitness documentaries, and I guess there's a famous guy that's won a bunch of CrossFit games and all these different things, and he said the the hardest piece of equipment to use at the gym is the front door. Uh, and he said just <laughs> so much of it is just kind of getting in the front door, and it, it resonated with me because I was like, man, how much of investing is just behavioral? Yeah. And really, where where do you learn those things? You, you kind of go one of two routes. Either you experience it, right? Um, like I, I mentioned in the article, um, you, you, you get the punishment of trying to be a speculator. Um, or you read articles like this. You have conversations with professionals, um, folks that can show you empirical evidence, and you can try to reprogram the way you understand markets um, and and really what we try to do is always bring you back to your financial plan. And it kind of goes with anything. Anytime, uh, if you're in an argument, if you get upset or emotional, 
it's normally best to pause, take a moment, and then start thinking of it in a more logical way, not emotional. And uh, that, that's normally the best route. Yeah, I've been... My- it's funny on this subject, and then I'll kind of close out the podcast here. But my wife and I have been talking a lot about my four-year-old because he is so emotional. And I've been encouraging that. I, I think it's a, a gift from God that he can use those emotions as a strength, like compassion and understanding and empathy and all those things. But he's going to have to figure out how to wield that sword mm-hmm. because the way it surfaces right now, um, like – something changes, right? He was supposed to go somewhere, you know, he had school the other day and the teacher was sick and they had to cancel it. Like, it just breaks him. Um, And it's just a reminder to me that you have to be careful and you have to be thoughtful. Like my encouragement to him is like, hey, understand, like I, you know, he's a four-year-old, so I don't know how much he, he gets from this, but like sometimes I'll tell him, hey, little buddy, like you didn't take a nap today. So remember when you didn't take a nap, usually you're gonna be a lot more sensitive. Right. I know for like Alcoholics Anonymous, they use that acronym HALT, right? If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, don't make a decision. And we almost need that same advice when it comes to investing because typically our biggest obstacle, our our worst enemy is ourselves. I think that philosophy would apply to us in any decision. I probably make Terrible decisions when I'm really hungry or tired. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've known me for a long time. My little boy gets my, his emotions from me. And I've you know spent these last couple of years, the, the little thing I say in my head is mountain or molehill because I, I need to be better because in, in, when I was younger, everything was a mountain. You've gotten a lot better. Yeah, I wanted to die on every hill. So I'm trying to, to remind myself molehill, 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 like so that I don't fight as hard as I like, am inclined to do. For the listeners, uh, Trevor and I, our office is right next to each other, so we can hear each other through the wall on most calls. And I, I can even recognize the tone where they'll hang up, and I'm like, hey, who was that? What happened? Because I could just tell whatever it was, it was eating at him, and he was doing his best to you know, make sure it wasn't a mountain. Yeah, so mountain and molehill. So, um, hey, guess what? Um, when the market drops 14.3%, that's a molehill. Um, and I hopefully uh, that resonates with you. Um, we encourage you, unless you have any closing thoughts. Nope. Perfect. We encourage you to email us any comments or questions, um, curiosities, uh, clarification, whatever you need. You can reach Sean or Trevor at Tom, T-O-M, at thebonsagroup.com. If you don't mind doing us a favor, we'll ask that you rate the podcast. Five stars are preferred. All comments are welcome on the podcast app. And then, of course, we'll be back next week with more of our Thoughts Thoughts on on Money. Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for 
statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.